Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And really, this, this election is everybody's business. And of course, every election cycle we hear that this is going to be the most important election in uh, modern history, and we hear that all the time. There's a certain amount of sense that it's more true now than ever with uh, how the fact that uh, these two major parties, the Republicans and Democrats, have very different agendas, goals, and uh, I think visions for the country. And there's so much speculation. I, I have this tremendous sense that I'm going to know very little about the actual results for quite some time. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it's interesting to talk about what could be and certainly what's hot in this election. And there's no one I like to talk to more about these type of things in my guest this segment. Lee Kaplan, he's with the law firm of Smizer Kaplan and Veselka, skv.com. He's great at business law. That's what their firm is all about. But he's also one of the most politically interesting people to talk to as well as policy-wise. And uh, Lee, always love having you on the program. I also want to mention that you are a candidate for the mayor of the city of Houston. That's true. I am. And uh, talk to us real briefly about that and what is, what is a lot of your focus on. You know, what compelled you uh, to run? Well, I think the simple way to say it is I'm not a member of the political class. I've been interested in public affairs for a long time, and it seems to me that there's an avenue for people from the private sector who have a sense about how things should be run, um, and that's been focused by my somewhat mercifully limited interface with the city of Houston. Anyone who dials 311 knows how frustrating it is to get things done. Uh, anyone who reads the paper or watches the news know what public citizens, uh, what private citizens are com concerned about, which are primarily crime, uh, infrastructure, which means flooding and congestion, um, issues about corruption that uh, have been raised in the county and the city, homelessness. Those are sort of the main issues. But I think it's just a sense of has Houston uh, justified our pride in the city? We seem to think that we're special, and therefore everybody in the country ought to automatically want to move to Houston. It's not true. It's a never-ending unremitting effort to make citizens here feel good, which will then be communicated to the rest of the world and will attract more taxpayers or more companies, which means more employment, which means more taxpayers to share the load. Um, yeah. I just think the the city is a little bit divided. It's a little bit anxious and uncertain. Obviously, in the wake of the Astros' victory, people feel a lot better about the city um, but that, you know, that only can last so long. We have to mm -hmm. make this city where everybody uh, feels part of the enterprise and that they have a chance to do better. And yeah. I think somebody well, who is outside the political process some has uh, some markedly better prospects at making that happen, making people feel that the city's on the right track. Yeah, I think there's truth to that. And that's actually a really good segue to our topic uh, today. 
which is what's going on. This is Tuesday, election day, and uh, you know, and and what we're seeing is a breathtaking voter turnout. Well, I mean, uh, tens of millions have already voted early, and I haven't seen anything like this um, in quite some time. Maybe since Obama ran, I, I don't know. I mean, this is unusual. Um, talk about that 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 sense, I guess, of anticipation, and it seems to be very bipartisan of who's showing up. Uh, you know, that's one thing they both seem to agree on. We need to vote. Well, that's right. You know, what's interesting is the two main parties really do agree on one thing. They're all dissatisfied with government. The Republicans and the Democrats generally are dissatisfied with government. And that's not just Harris County. That's probably nationwide, but it's also in the city. And we need to restore a sense of, yes, I don't like that person on the other side, whoever they are, but... We're not on the wrong path. Maybe we're, we have bad policies, but our basic system allows us to get those resolved. And I don't know that people feel that way. And in fact, while turnout may be high in other places, the early turnout was down fairly significantly in Harris County, which is depressing, really. People, if you're upset, don't give up. Go vote for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, we're lower in Harris County than we should be. Uh, Mm -hmm. apparently we had just under 700,000 early votes and, and, uh, then almost 60,000 mail ballots. But in 2018, which was also an off year, there were 855,000 earlier, early votes, both in person and by mail. So um, that's a a significant fall-off that ought to have everybody concerned. People need to Yeah, particularly when you look at the narrative now versus then. Yeah, it was hot in 2018. And to me in 2018, particularly, I think, a a referendum on, uh, on Donald Trump's first two years. Um, and, you, of course, we saw the results. He wasn't particularly happy with that. And a lot of people are posturing this uh, midterm as a referendum on Biden's first two years. And so, again, nationwide, a lot uh, they're, saying, they're indicating it's higher than in, in past midterms. But in Harris County, I would think of all places where there would be uh, potentially a hostile, uh, you know, at least among big cities, um, it would be uh, it'd be here towards Biden, I would think. It's very different from what the narrative. But again, we don't even know how to translate it, do we? We don't know until after the fact. That's right. And it's always possible that a number of people are going to just come on Election Day because they're curious. Um, the weather may affect turnout in some places. I think Houston today has beautiful weather, and so that may increase turnout. Um, we've certainly been bombarded and harangued with messages from both both sides of every election that that uh, is near the top of the ballot, and in the case of a county judge, much lower on the ballot. And I think, you know, I think turnout ultimately will nearly approximate 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll find out end. what happens. That's right. Yeah. So we've been back and forth trying to figure this out. 
out, you know, I think early in 2022, uh, we were talking doom and gloom if you were a Democrat. Uh, then all of a sudden, particularly with Roe versus Wade, which beginning to look like it doesn't have the staying power that a lot of people thought it would have, and, and there is, you know, does, does bread and, and milk uh, trump abortion? You kind of get the sense it might. Uh, but I'm, I'm like all over the place. I'm, I'm very, I'm very um, nervous about making predictions on, on this one. I, I do think that the Republicans probably uh, win the House by a small margin by everything I've seen. I've only heard doom and gloom by the Democrats and even the, a lot of their leaders saying they're doing a terrible job campaigning. You know, uh, the Senate, I don't think it's going to look all that much different. Well, it's hard to tell. I do think a lot of the backbiting about the campaigns people have run has has been misplaced because, in general, people who campaign have pollsters and people surrounding them who tell them what people want to hear. And on the other hand, you can only do so much. I don't think that President Biden can sidestep inflation. Uh, that's an issue that bothers people. The fact that many more people are working now, and so they have the money to pay the inflated prices that inflation has caused, seems to have been lost in the shuffle. But that's not surprising, because more voters are employed people who've been employed than people who are just newly employed. Um, mm -hmm. And we have an older demographic among voters, older than the total demographic in the country of people over 18. So that's not really surprising, uh, but I think it's wrong to assume that these candidates have no idea what they're talking about. Some of them are monomaniacal, of course, but uh, and, and pitch ideas and issues that voters don't care about, but most of them are pretty savvy about how to motivate people to go to the polls. And maybe the group they're motivating is not a majority, but they think that it's enough to give them a majority. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm slow to say how terrible the campaigning is simply because they're delivering what they understand people want to hear or see. Yeah, and ultimately the, one of the biggest frustrations we all have watching uh, interviews with candidates is they ultimately answer the question that you want to answer, even if it is nothing like the question that was asked, you know, and there's always a lot of that uh, couching, posturing, framing going on. I think that's right. That's human nature. Human nature yeah. is if you're asked a tough question, you'd rather give an answer that presents what you think is your strongest point as opposed to dealing with something on which you may be vulnerable. Um, that's not really surprising, um, and there's a lot of that going on. It's more noticeable in politics than in you know, our everyday lives. Yeah, and I think the consequences are bigger, which is why it's more obvious, right? I mean, these guys live, uh, you know, uh, congressional candidates live in existential crisis every two years. At least a bunch of them do. Um, Senator, six years. President, four years. And so, uh, you know, the closer you get to the election day, the more, uh, I guess you could say, the more difficult it is to actually know what's what they're conveying, what they're saying. Got to be a lot on the record, which is interesting. It seems like we talk about records less now than we have in the past. It just seems uh, that uh, we have just kind of abandoned that uh, for rhetoric across the board. It's what it feels like. I'm not saying that's accurate, 
but that's what it feels like. And that includes the job of journalists to talk about specifics as far as records. Well, people now get their news from so many sources that what we once thought that the proliferation of information would enable people to make better choices, I think that sociologists and the rest of us underestimated the tribalism that that allows. In other words, people want to hear news that they want to hear. And so they'll flock to their, quote unquote, their network or networks. It might be uh, MSNBC, it might be Fox, it might be CNN, uh, it might be a particular newspaper that they regard as um, friendly or, or aligned with their views. People don't want to hear news they don't like or don't agree with. And and with all these options now, um, there's just no more Walter Cronkites left and uh, yeah. or Huntley Brinkley. It's a, a totally different era, and uh, I think that's hurt the American uh, body politic because if you're getting your news only from somebody that, you know, is preaching whatever doom and gloom or sunny news that you believe in, then you're not going to be aware of the other views. And unfortunately, most media has has picked a segment of the population that it wants to humor, and that's where we are now. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, I'm going to ask you to uh, go out on a limb. Uh, I gave my thoughts of what it might look like, and again, I will deny I said that next week. But uh, what do you think? Uh, what are you thinking of the Senate and the House? I think it's a good thing for the Democrats that the president is not up for re-election this year, and he has veto powers. So I think there is a very good chance that both houses go Republican, uh, less so in the Senate. But I don't think that that will mean big changes because the president can veto so many things, and he's not going anywhere. He seems to yeah, be in better and, health uh, than most people his age. Yeah, uh, he, uh, yeah, of course, it just means uh, slowing down his agenda, which frankly is pretty slow anyway because of how divided the Congress was. So we'll see a lot more executive orders, I think. Yeah, well, for better or worse, uh, this first two years of the Biden administration has seen a lot of things done. Whether you agree with them or not, I can't speak to it, but they managed to pass a lot of bills, and a lot of that was through what people call a dead, dirty word, a bipartisan consensus. I mean, the um, somewhat poorly named, in my opinion, Inflation Reduction Act has, uh, and, and before it, the American Rescue Plan. These are things that have a lot to like by both parties, and that's how they got passed. Um, yeah. I mean, onshoring chip manufacturing is one of the wisest things that the Biden administration has done. And it helps us in our competition with China. Um, whether or not all these different things are helpful, ultimately, we probably won't know for at least 10 years. But it does show that somebody tried to look at critical issues about America's competition with the dictators and try to do something about them, which is wise. And it should. Yeah, uh, yeah, that own. chip. Uh, you know, that chip bill uh, that you're referring to is one of the most substantial legislations 
for years, really, when it comes to technology and security, and it has been universally uh, liked by both sides. That's hard to find. And I continue to believe that, uh, that there is a lot of low-hanging fruit like that, that uh, if they could just focus on those rather than uh, where they disagree with, uh, we could get more done. I, I remember, you know, when I was younger, much more polarized in my views. I worked on Capitol Hill uh, in, in the 80s, and I remember how we were always so irritated with Bob Michael, uh, who was the uh, GOP leader of the House, going out and playing golf with Tip O'Neill, who was the Speaker of the House and a Democrat. And, you know, honestly, we need more of that kind of getting to know each other and having friendship, uh, you know, and, and really realize that we are not the enemy. We just disagree. Where can we agree rather than be stuck in minutia of uh, polarization? Right. And, and speaking with your political adversary does not make you a traitor to your own party. That's exactly Period. right. So. That's exactly right. An idea that seems to be lost. I cannot agree with you more. All right. His, uh, his name is Lee Kaplan. We love having him on SKV.com. is his website. You have a campaign website, too. Did you want to mention that? I do. It's KaplanForHoustonMayor.com. And uh, the text and the script there were all authored by me. They haven't been massaged by consultants, so... It's authentically Kaplan. Kaplan for HoustonMayor.com. I love it. All right, sir. Thanks so much. I'm Kevin Price. This is the Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.